Welcome to the third episode of Back to Basics, a podcast dedicated on getting you educated on the basics of life and beyond. My name is Maggie Windsor, and I am your host for today's episode. Marine biology and coral reefs are extremely interesting subjects. Considering the oceans take up most of our planet, you'd be surprised by the limited amount of jobs and care given to our great bodies of water. In this episode, I will break down these subjects into two parts. The first is the who, what, where, why, how of marine biology, aka a comprehensible guide of the job. The second is a look into coral reefs and the threats posed against them. Let's get back to basics. The definition of marine biology is the study of life in the oceans and other bodies of salt water, such as estuaries and wetlands. The oceans cover two-thirds of this planet, yet we know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the ocean floor. Thus, marine biology is a very interesting and grueling study. We are going to cover some of the main parts of how you can do this job. We will cover the who, what, where, why, and how of marine biology. Right now, we're going to talk about the different parts of the field as well as the different sciences within them. There are many different disciplines, including astronomy, biological oceanography, cellular biology, chemistry, ecology, geology, meteorology, molecular biology, physical oceanography, and zoology, as well as the new science of marine conservation. This may seem like a lot of different things, but the end goal of the study of the oceans is to better understand and protect the wildlife that lives there. How marine biologists come up with answers to questions is through the scientific method. Now we will talk about the how. How marine biologists come up with answers to questions is through the scientific method. This method is broken down into four parts. First is the characterization, or the question, for example. What do anchovies eat? Second is the hypothesis, the theoretical explanation. I believe anchovies will eat seaweed because they live near seaweed. The prediction, the logical deduction from the hypotheses. Anchovies can't eat seaweed because their digestive system is too small to break down the tough plant. And finally, to test all of the above. Then the marine biologist will come to a solid conclusion. Now we are on to where you will study marine biology. Because marine biology as a field is so varied, there are many different places where you can be in the trade. You can be diving off the coast of Belize, swimming with polar bears in the Arctic, or working in a lab in Maine. Really, there is no set location for this job because the ocean covers so much ground. Typically, though, one of the things you have to do is to decide whether you will work in a lab or out in the field. If you want to work in the field, then you can narrow your line of study to be in the Arctic, coral reefs, or other saltwater communities. Many people travel around. It's all about finding where you fit in the field. The second side of the question is where you will find work. What companies or industries should you work for? Marine biologists can work in many different places, including zoos, aquariums, museums, and schools. If you would like to teach, you can work as a professor or as an educator in these aquarium locations. If you want to work in the field or in a lab, you can work with university research laboratories, private companies, government research laboratories, and nonprofit environmental advocacy organizations. Unfortunately, work is very limited and job positions are very competitive because there aren't many jobs in the field and because of the beautiful conditions and noble causes. But do not give up. Instead, think of why you're joining this line of work in the first place. This question brings to us one of our final big cues. Why? Why should you join this extremely competitive workforce with low pay, hard hours, and limited space? What is the motivation behind the madness? Well, although many people will become marine biologists for their own personal exploitation, there are many other reasons to join the job. For example, only 5% of the oceans have been explored. So if you are someone who dreams of exploring or being the first human to discover something incredible, this job might be for you. Marine biology as a study is also helping the environment in big ways. This job works to help and improve the health of the planet by fighting against pollution, climate change, and working actively as well as to create laws protecting reefs and other ocean ecosystems. 
This field is also working to benefit the welfare of humans by researching which chemicals or fish might have uses in pharmaceutical or medical purposes, as well as empowering communities through the act of fishing or caring for their open environment. Finally, we have come to our final question, who? Are you the type of person for this job, and do you have what it takes? Marine biologists must have an affinity for marine life, excellent numerical skills, and statistical skills, patience, excellent teamwork, willingness to work outdoors, writing skills, and good leadership. If you're currently going through high school or middle school, that boils down to a competence or at least interest in math, willingness to work with others and outdoors, an interest in marine biology, and the willingness to put in the work. If you have these capabilities, this might be the right field for you. Overall, marine biology is a very interesting and fulfilling study for the brave and hardworking enough to get their foot in the door. Now it's time to talk about coral reefs. Coral reefs are large underwater structures composed of the skeletons of colonial marine invertebrates called coral. In terms that are easier to understand, coral is basically big structures that are made up of limestone skeleton of creatures called polyps. Over hundreds and thousands of years, these creatures multiply and grow into the colorful coral you see today. There are two types of coral. Hard coral, which polyps gathers calcium carbonate from the seawater to create a hard exoskeleton to protect their soft insides. And soft coral, which doesn't have an exoskeleton. All the coral that you see moves with the water and looks like a plant, like sea anemones, is soft coral. Coral is found almost everywhere, all from off the coast of Alaska to the subtropics of Australia. But the largest coral reef, which is probably one of the only ones you've heard of, is the Great Burial Reef off the east coast of Australia, which has grown to almost 2,400 kilometers long. There are many different types of reef. There is a fringing reef, which is the most common and grows near coastlines. The barrier reef, which are close to coastlines, but are separated by large and deep lagoons, and patch reefs that grow on continental shelves. Within these environments, there are hundreds of different types of coral. There's circular folded coral called brain coral. There are sea anemones, tall sea whips and fans, sea pans, the list goes on and on. But all types of corals feed in one or two ways. Some species will catch small marine life like fish or plankton by using stinging tentacles on the outer edge of their bodies. Most coral, however, depend on algae called zooxanthellae to provide energy via photosynthesis. These creatures have symbiotic, or mutually beneficial, relationships. The algae lives inside the coral polyp's body where they photosynthesize to produce energy for themselves and the polyps. The polyps, in turn, provide a home and carbon dioxide for the algae. Additionally, the zooxanthellae provide coral with their lively colors. Most coral polyp bodies are clear and colorless without zooxanthellae. Because polyps, aka the coral, are still animals, they need to reproduce to continue their bloodline. Some species of coral, such as brain coral, produce eggs and sperm at the same time. But for most species, coral spawning happens in one mass event. Sometimes this can only happen once a year. Now that we've covered some of the basics of coral and how they function, we can start to get into the danger we have posed to them. Minutes of action can destroy thousands of years of coral growth, as well as the habitat to many different species of marine life. We will also talk about the little changes you can make to stop these awful things from happening. Besides being a critical marine habitat, coral reefs also bring in over 30 billion worldwide annually from fishing, tourism, and etc. Many communities rely on coral reefs to stay afloat financially. But unfortunately, coral reefs are under big threats. One of the big issues we face is the increasing acidification of the ocean. Costs when oceans absorb intense amounts of carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere through the burning of fossil fuels. This inhibits the hard coral's natural ability to create hard exoskeletons to protect themselves. Another big problem is water pollution. Agricultural pesticides and fertilizers, oil and gasoline, sewage discharge, and sediment from eroded landscapes makes it difficult for coral to thrive and disrupts the very fragile ecosystem coral builds and provides. But the biggest issue coral face is the one we have been fighting for for a long time, climate change. 
Climate change has been wrecking havoc on all ecosystems, but coral is taking one of the hardest blows. As the temperature of the world oceans increase due to global warming, coral polyps expel the zooxanthellae they depend on for food. Once the zooxanthellae are gone, the coral loses its brilliant color and all that can be seen is the white exoskeleton. This is referred to as coral bleaching. Coral colonies subject to bleaching usually die off. And as the New York Times once said, overfishing, ocean acidification, and pollution are pushing the coral reefs into oblivion. Each of these forces alone is fully capable of causing the global collapse of coral reefs. Together, they assure it. This news can seem very depressing, but it is not too late. There's still coral colonies out there fighting to survive. Beyond donating to charities and signing petitions, which you should definitely do, there are some small switches you can make to help out the reefs. If you can, buying sustainable seafood is a wonderful thing to do, not only for the reefs, but simply because it takes better. Buying long-lasting light bulbs is another easy switch to protect coral. These bulbs cut down on greenhouse gases, emissions, and contribute less to climate change. Another big thing, if you're going swimming around coral reefs, use reef-safe sunscreen, such as ThinkSport SPF sunscreen, which is $11 on Amazon. Another big tip is to use common sense. If you are swimming near reefs, don't touch the coral, don't break off pieces of the reef to show your friends, and just don't be stupid in general. In conclusion, if you would like to be the next Charles Darwin, or to explore or protect the oceans, you will need a love of marine life and the environment, a good attitude, and a hard-working mentality to make it in the field. The coral reefs are dying, but it is not too late. It is up to our generation to save the coral. So please be smart and protect our ocean and our reefs. Thank you for listening to the third episode of Back to Basics. If you'd like to learn more, visit my Instagram at Back to Basics Insta or check out my YouTube channel at Back to Basics. Have a nice day!